Hey guys, Cheryl Nemhard here and welcome to On The Path Podcast. It's Women's History Month and I've been taking the whole month to speak with my personal sheroes and I hope that you've been getting lit up with the conversations. Coming up next, we're speaking with powerhouse global faith leader and author Tiffany Bloom, my girl, and she is speaking about her brand new book, which drops this week called Pray Tell. It is going to shake you up. You're going to love it. We are speaking about the unsilencing of women's voices, the uh, importance of women taking up space in leadership, the impacts of male toxic leadership, and the importance of men as allies. So, so, so good. We are lifting up and celebrating women and the men that support them on this podcast. You can listen available anywhere podcasts are or subscribe to my YouTube channel, please, please, and watch it there. And I'll see you on the path. You're listening to On the Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhart. Follow Cheryl Nemhart on all social media platforms. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to have this girl. Tiffany, listen, it's been it's been a minute and I'm so glad to have you in the building. We're about to we're about to take off. <laughs> Come on, girl. You know we are. You know we are. We're about to take off. I remember so clearly uh the last time that we got together. Uh I was a guest on your podcast, the Why Though Pod- Podcast. Shameless plug the why though podcast. Um, and we had a blast and I got to hang out with you and Ashley. And now you have launched your own like fiery trail of freedom for women with this book called pray tell man. Congratulations to you, girl. Oh, thank you. It's been a labor of love. Mm-hmm. And it's not your first book. It's your third. Am I right on that? Yeah. Third book, fifth title. I have uh, two books, two Bible studies previous to this, all Christian women's inspiration, Christian women's issues. But this is definitely a little bit of a heavy hitter <laughs> as it pertains what women go through in their everyday life. It really examines how society has silenced us and what we can do about it as women who are passionate about the gospel and women who are called to be fierce and brave in the world and spaces we occupy. Oh, wow. I love, I love that whole idea of, of really lifting off the covers of being silenced in society. That is huge. That is, that's probably one of the biggest things that you'll hear from women right now is trying to break free from feeling like they're silenced. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, Your book is called Pray Tell. I feel like it's such and pray P-R-E-Y. Yeah. <laughs> and um I got to ask you why that title? Yeah. And uh, I had a crazy experience of speaking truth to power and I got to be honest with you Cheryl, I'm the girl who played by all the rules set forth by church culture, by evangelical culture, by society at large of what is expected of a woman, especially an immigrant minority woman. And so when I spoke up and spoke truth to power, when I saw abuse of power at a woman's expense, I was seen as disposable. And the men in my world were seen as indispensable. So as I grappled with my own experience of loss, 
I discovered and uncovered the societal, financial, professional, and spiritual ramifications of silencing women in our modern day and how they have roots that have been misused by weaponizing scripture, as well as what society expects women to do and act. And even how, as a woman of color, we are uniquely traumatized and we're uniquely ignored in a way that white women aren't when they want to speak up. Because the honest truth is, being silenced is the leading indicator, the leading factor to derail your career, to derail your professional life, your personal life. And so this is a dangerous issue that we're talking about. And one that I know it's not exactly a stocking stuffer topic, but it's one that affects half the world. Oh, yeah. I, and and so you said so much. I don't even know where to go. You said so much. Um, the weaponizing of scripture, uh, it being the basis of a lot of what's happening, the bias, the the treatment, the oppression. Um, I got to ask you, why did you feel now? Uh, what was it about the message that you felt was so needed in this time? Oh, what a great question. I think it was twofold. I think it was first me coming into my own with my own story and realizing that the ashes that were left over from the burn that were not just for me, they were to be a blessing and they were to be an encouragement and hopefully enrage people into action of what it means to speak up for women, because this isn't just a female issue. This is an everyone issue. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was both my personal experience as well as I believe that it was time now to speak up because our world is only getting more polarized and we're only politicizing this issue more. And again, this is a humanity issue, not a progressive or conservative issue. This is not an upper class issue, lower class issue. This truly affects everyone. And it it felt like um, almost too late. And then realizing when I think of the news cycle, even this very day, reading about John Geddard, who took his life, the USA gymnastics coach, after he was charged with sex trafficking of girls and overworking them and sexual misconduct. And then you think of Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, six women have come out against him. And, and of course, you know, about every quarter we see an evangelical leader fall. So both in sacred and secular culture, we're watching Entities crumble, institutions crumble because why? They did not value a woman's place. They were not dignified spaces for all. And so we it's expensive not to respect women. It is harmful to the whole not to respect women. And it is something we can't afford to get wrong. If we look at Genesis 1 as the example of what should be, and then we look at the example of Jesus, and we love to hold a few household codes of Paul over the whole life of Jesus, don't we? But if we look how Jesus empowered women, then we have our marching orders for this modern day to empower, embolden, and unleash women, to hold up half the sky, to be contributing to human flourishing in a way that doesn't require them to be subjugated, silenced, or slandered. We're just going to collect the offering at this time. <laughs> if you could just pass the plates to the left. Listen, pass the plate. We listen. take cash. We take Amex. We take it all. No. <laughs> we take it all. My goodness, you are preaching a word there. Listen, I've got a question for you because um, I've heard it a few times and I know I know that we need to unpack this a bit further. Uh, we talk about the, the societal silencing of women yeah. and also uh, the evangelical silencing of women, all the spaces, corporate silencing. How do we silence women? When you say silencing women, what does that look like? Let's break that down for someone who's yeah. learning. 
Absolutely. So let's talk about evangelical spaces first, as you mentioned. We often use scripture to weaponize um, our position and our stance to keep women silent when they have an unpopular truth to tell, especially if it's going to paint somebody in leadership, faith leadership specifically, in a poor light. So we will use scriptures like Matthew 18, go to your brother, go to your sister and work out in reconciliation for the good of all. But really what we're saying is in vertical leadership, if somebody's harmed you, if they're a superior who's harmed you, that's no longer horizontal friendship. That is vertical leadership. And so we will shame a woman by saying the way you brought this issue forward is not of God. (laughs) And so we put the issue of how she handled it over the actual accusation she is bringing. Another way we silence women, we hold up the accolades of men over the accusations of women. And with scripture, we will take that Greco-Roman influence of the first century that seeped into the early church that says women are deformed men. Women are the existence of evil. Women are quite incapable of telling the truth. In fact, during the first century, a woman could not testify in court, which makes Mary Magdalene's testimony even more powerful when we know that because it was assumed that there was fear of punishment or they would only speak for personal gain. So we have allowed that Greco-Roman influence to infiltrate the church. And then you add the time of the printing press and the Reformation where women were taken to even smaller spaces as you must only operate inside the home. Mm -hmm. You must only care for your children. That's the apex Mm -hmm. of the Christian life. So what did that do? It made a woman's world really, really small. And if she tried to move above that, she would be silenced with scripture. She would be silenced with this societal way of living that really bound her. Mm -hmm. And then in our modern day, you look at purity culture, specifically in scripture, how we have decided that a woman's body, and we use the example of Eve, is the presence of evil. And if something bad happened, she did something to deserve it. We victim blame and other women victim blame women. Obviously we know that men victim blame women. And so we say to men, you know what? You are built to lust. You cannot control your sexual nature. And we have several uh, Christian books, unfortunately, that back up this faulty theology. And we, again, we place the onus on women to escape abusive power more than we place the onus on men to behave justly. And so we ignore scriptures in the new Testament that where Jesus is informing that you are each responsible for your actions, for your thoughts, as a man thinketh, so he is. But we have allowed men to say, you may use exterior excuses of how a woman dressed, how she spoke, what she wore, um, how she carried herself, where she was. You may use it as an excuse for your poor behavior. Get out of jail free card. And we continually place this heavy burden on women. Now, when you add societal stereotypes to that, especially to women of color, that they're hypersexual or exotic or subservient. And those are brought into play, especially in courtrooms, when legal jargon will be used to defend poor stereotypes that only cause more harm to women. And they halt the societal sympathy that she needs for her healing and for her growth and for her to be seen as a beloved member of society, then we're really in trouble. We're tr- she's truly in jeopardy. So again, you see how scripture and in pray tell, I detail so many, so many, so many scriptures that we continually uphold to excuse men's behavior. 
and how we continually blame women. But then also just in society, to be quite honest, it is financially advantageous to keep women silent because you look at, let's just take us back a hundred years. You know, we're gear, World War One is over. We're gearing up for World War II and you are inviting over 6 million women to join the workforce, right? All these men have gone to war in the allied union of the military. And then we need all these women to come fill these roles. So we have in America, we had Rosie the Riveter, who was this strong, but still glamorous woman in a jumpsuit saying, come work. So we called on the bravery of women. We summoned her goodness. We summoned her strength and then we demonized it. So she comes into the workforce and then she's working crazy hours with unsafe conditions. She is facing sexual harassment, which that term isn't even come into the late 60s, early 70s. So she doesn't have vernacular to describe her experiences, but she knows it's wrong. She She is truly just subjugated in her spot when she's showing up to serve the greater good. Yeah. And you see this so many times, even in scripture, women who showed up to contribute to the greater good. And they were subjugated. Mary Magdalene to this day is treated like a whore in scripture. And there's no biblical evidence, scholarly evidence to assume that that's the case of who she was. She was a businesswoman. She had her stuff together. She was an incredible member of Jesus team. And so, you know, seeing, looking, looking back a hundred years and especially during world war II, seeing those women gain agency is like, wait a second, one, we fall, but many, we stand and we can push for collective agency. And so you really do see the shift of women starting to stand up for themselves. And I'm not saying that women haven't stood up for themselves throughout history. I'm just talking about modern history because we stand on the shoulders of women who've gone before us and more and more and more as the generations go, we see women walking into that bravery, walking into that courage, walking into that goodness, knowing that I don't have to take this because of who Jesus is. I will walk in goodness and strength all of my days as goodness follows me all of my days. Oh my goodness. I, I'm so glad. I just, I, I was just sitting here. I wish I had a pen and paper. I like, I'm going to be listening to that, this segment of the podcast over and over again, the amount of gems, nuggets, hard truths that we need to have. Cause people just, they don't want, they don't want to be ruffled and rattled. Yes. Uh, but change doesn't happen without hard truth. And I'm so thankful that you walked us through that so specifically and so eloquently. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to turn, I want to turn a corner for a minute and um, talk about you personally uh, and the weight of writing this book, the maybe reactions to this book how has this year been for you in terms of responses to the book on both sides? Yeah. Well, when it rains, it pours, right? (laughs) I live in the Pacific Northwest of North America. And I'll just say when it rains, it certainly pours and you get drenched whether you're ready or not. I will say this took everything out of me. Uh, The research portion, I would say I'm a natural researcher. That is how I'm built. And so I very much enjoyed pulling both biblical examples and modern examples, everything from Bill and Mo- Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky to R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, Larry Nasser, Andy Savage, Bill Hybels. There's so many examples that we have of what goes wrong when we don't encourage women to have a valued place at the table. But it really was this reminder that this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. 
If I'm going to spend myself, it's going to be on behalf of women. And like you, I've spent the majority of my life advocating for women and girls, the majority of my adult life, discipling women, speaking to women, writing for women, but now inviting women to join, not a moment, but a movement that benefits the whole, because this isn't a male against female issue. This isn't, we want to have the whole voice at the table. We want partnership. We want a true kingdom picture. So I would say it's demanded the best of me. And now with that, I'm inviting the best of the women and men who will um, just study these pages and know that we can do this together, but it's not without cost. Because I think what happens is as women, we're expected to be nice at the expense of being kind. Mm. You know, when Uncle Doug wants a hug and we're like, Uncle Doug's a creep, right? And so, but we're just conditioned to be agreeable. And if we want to advance in the world, if we want to appease the gatekeepers who've let us in, we have to play by their rules. And in reality, that's a form of subjugation in whatever way we want to look at it. And so much of that has happened in patriarchal cultures within our own family. Mm -hmm. It's happened where we live and operate in the world. It's happened in our churches for sure. But to be able to rip open the scriptures and see who Jesus was and how he wanted women to operate in the world and hold space in the world and occupy and speak and lead and unleash. I can't get over that, Cheryl. I will stake my whole life on that of who Jesus is. And so, yes, it's been costly and the, it, it's been a, it's been a pretty positive response, but I would say there's been some, uh, <laughs> there's definitely been some kickback in a way that made me think, Oh, I hope this doesn't liquidate my assets, you know, <laughs> but, um, I believe in this work and I believe that things don't come easy. And when you're speaking truth, to power, of course, of course, you're going to rumble and shake the powerful when the oppressed speak up. <laughs> I hear Muhammad Ali's words, rumble, young man, rumble. <laughs> it is definitely, t- it's definitely um, a time to stand up and not shrink back. And I'm so thankful that uh, you, you know, I believe it was uh, the Lord that told Isaiah to, um, to set his face like flint against yes. his enemies, like stone, that, that stone face, that thick skin that's required in moments like this. Thank I thank God for you. Um, I want to ask you a very personal question. We're going to, we going in, honey. Okay, girl, let's do this. Um, have you, Tiffany, ever, um, felt negative effects or been affected deeply by toxic male leadership? I know you speak about it in your book. Was this ever a personal journey for you? And how did you get up out from under it? What would you say to a woman who is dealing with that right now? Yeah. I just first want to say, if that's you, my heart is with you. This is not easy. You didn't ask for this. You didn't go seeking this. You didn't do anything wrong because this is happening. And the problem is for so many of us, we believe even slightly, if we wore our hair wrong or wore some cute earrings and someone comments, we should have avoided that situation. We should have avoided the harm or the comments. And we just feel so trapped. So for me, I I was a person who just always is a glass half full. I am such an optimist. So when things hit me square between the eyes or I take two to the chest, I'm like, no, I'm not bleeding to death. No, I'm not bleeding out. No, this isn't bad. I will look for the silver lining to my detriment, Cheryl. And so when I found myself in a situation where there was certainly toxic male leadership, toxic masculinity at play, It took me a minute to identify it because why I had so much proximity to power that I was also benefiting from this toxic male leadership. 
So I was both benefiting and proximate to power, but I was also losing out because I was the people group that was being harmed. So it was a both and, and I think that's what really can get tricky for so many women. It's this act of self-preservation, but also wanting to speak up and knowing that the status quo is not healthy, even though it's normalized in the cultures that we live in. So it's this really big tension that we often can find ourselves wrestling with. And we have to take into account Yes, I have to understand that I have been subjugated. And I think for a strong woman, it's a really hard thing to realize that you're being taken advantage of, that you're being talked to poorly, that you are being treated as second due to toxic male leadership. That's a, that's a painful realization because there is a weird ownership that you want to take that, what did I do to deserve this? And in reality, you did not do anything to deserve this. So it plays with this understanding of, did I offer trust to somebody who did not deserve it? Was I a poor judge of character? And the reality is, is toxic male leadership can appear very charming. And it's extremely hard to apply a dissonant reality if somebody is both benevolent, but also vile. An example of that would be somebody who's so charming. They're, they're such a great leader. They, they dangle the carrot just enough. They give you just enough accolades to think, he thinks I'm awesome. I'm doing great in this position or in this place or space, whatever wherever you work or worship, this is going well. And then at the same time, this person, this toxic male leader can apply so much pressure and manipulation and they can gaslight you in a way that you think, man, did I do something to deserve this? And it's such a, such a mind boggling experience that sometimes we don't even realize just how deep we are into that toxic space. So I just want to say, if you're listening and you're like, how did I get here? It, it is so easy to fall for someone who's charming because toxic male leadership has a lot of narcissistic tendencies that again, aren't as easy to spot as we'd like to think because it's not necessarily overtly harsh or demeaning. It is both, um, it's both good and bad. There's so much to gain, but there's so much to lose. And that toxic male leader likely knows what you value and will give it to you just enough to keep you close just enough to make you believe that things are okay and that this is normal and this is just the way it is. And it wouldn't be better anywhere else. You'd go seek employment or a place to worship. So we're fooled into believing that this is how it is. So when we're in this, and I was certainly in it, I mean, I had, (laughs) I had everything handed to me on a silver platter, but at the same time, my loyalty had never been so exploited. And so to be able to recognize this is harmful to me and to others. And although I have something to gain in the system, I have more to lose. And this is more about me. This is more than me being able to see that although I'm harmed, but also gaining something, I have got to see how others are harmed. And I have a personal, ethical, moral, biblical responsibility to speak up against this toxic male leadership. Why? Because others will be harmed in the system if I don't. And I understand sister and brother who is listening. That's a tall order. It's a tall order, but you're not alone. And I would encourage you to seek others who can lend their strength as you walk that journey out. You will never regret doing the right thing, even if the right thing is the hard thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to the one and only Tiffany Bloom, author of the brand new book, Pray Tell. Um, And the subtitle is, I got to let you say the subtitle, say it, honey. Oh, girl, why we silence women who tell the truth and how everyone can speak up. And how everyone can speak up. Man, this conversation is going to uh, 
unlock some things. It's going to break some things, free some people. It's going to stir up some things. I'm so excited for this conversation. Uh, I'm built for this stuff. I know you are too. As an Enneagram eight in the building, I'm like, where is the fire? Run to it. Uh, And let's let's figure this thing out and let's fix it. And so I'm so excited about what you're sharing. And I think we want to also let's, let's kind of camp for a minute in what's, what's going well and let's celebrate. Let's have a little bit of a celebration Mm -hmm. of, of, of women today. So when you look at women uh, across the landscape in spaces of leadership, what are you most proud of and what's your hope for them? Oh, well, this is just very timely and how wild that it's happening during Women's History Month was Beth Moore breaking her way from the Southern Baptist Convention and being able to call out the toxicity, the male toxicity, just as we've talked about, how they had traded Jesus for power and her willingness to step away. Because as women, again, we're so taught to be nice versus kind, to keep the peace at all costs, even when we're dying inside. And for her to say no longer, no more. I mean, the the greatest Bible teacher, the most well-known Bible teacher of our time is a blonde woman from Texas. And I love that she was willing to step up and speak out. And she might've lost a lot, but I think she gained even more. And sisters and brothers all over the world are watching her stand up and take a stand. So what's encouraging me is those who are considering and counting the cost and considering their proximity to power, their resources, their affinity, their platform, their prestige, all that they have, and they're willing to sacrifice it for the greater good. They're willing to sacrifice it to move the moral arc of the universe toward justice. Why? Because Jesus told us to. So when I look at people like her, when I look at people like you, Cheryl, when I look at people who are not afraid to balance the delight and the goodness and the invitation to grow as a woman in personal salvation, but also attend to systemic injustice, because here's what's happening and here's what's happened. We divide those two things, don't we? We see, you know, look at the, look at the top. Sorry, I'm going on one right now. Look at the top books for, for women, Christian women, especially it's like, grow your prayer life, grow your marriage. It's grow your things, raise them babies, all those things, devotional time. Those are all great things. 100%. I want all those things for my life. I know you want all those things for your life, but it's often that anything justice related, anything addressing systemic issues, not just personal issues, they're divorced. And so to see this, what am I most excited about is to see this holistic understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And honestly, you look at the Proverbs 31 woman and she was both exteriorly growing and exterior serving. And so this both and this willingness to see our space and grow as an individual, as well as seeing how we contribute to the whole that lights my fire. That gets me excited. When I think of you, when I think of Danielle Strickland, when I think of Mama Beth, when I think of Rachel Den Hollander, when I think of so many, when I think of Meghan Markle, all right, all right, all right. I'm like, I pray for her every day. I'm like, Jesus, that women (laughs) praying tongues over her anyway. So I am just believing and praying for revival in a way that couples individual goodness and holiness with systemic righteousness. Mm. And I want to throw this in because I I usually don't, I I like to just let my guests really just have a time to unpack and pour out the wisdom that they, that they possess. I try not to add on, but I got to say, bold women are not a threat. Come on. Tattoo that right across my forehead, please, (laughs) please. 
bold women, people, women who have come into their the full understanding of who they are, uh, their identity in God, their calling in God, their place in this world, uh, for them to be demonized and treated like a threat says more about the others that are doing that than her. Uh, what, that fragility that is so uh, uh, on a fence because of my um, settledness in myself. Uh, you would rather me be fragile and not know who I am. And all. And so I just applaud you and women like you who are just standing boldly in their calling. Because it's, mm, it's, 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 it's tough out here for, the, for us folks. Woo! Isn't it though? It is. And so I got to ask you, what, what do you want? What do you want the women in particular? We, and I, I've got so many, so many amazing male listeners, shout out to all my male allies in the building. What up? Come on. Um, what do you want every woman listening to this podcast to know? Mm, I want you to know that who you are is enough and that you are not defined by what's happened to you. I pray that you would take those ashes and broken pieces and see how God can use them, how you can partner with the divine to contribute, to unleash, to build something good. You are not too far gone. Who you are is beautiful. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, uh, let's let's talk about your book, Pray Tell, again. We got to circle back because that thing is on fire. <laughs> that book is on fire, and it's 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 an amazing um, journey to walk through. I think with a group of people and really like sit in community with it. I, I encourage you if you're looking for a a, a new book for your book group, uh, book club, a small group, you might want to consider this book pray tell because it's incredible and it's what we need right now. Um, and I love that it, it doesn't build camps of male versus female. Um, I love that about that. And that it, it, to me, it, this book builds bridges of truth, of reconciliation, of forgiveness on both sides, awakening on both sides. Um, talk to me about the importance of male allyship. Yes. And, and the building of the bridges that needs to happen right now. Absolutely. And the honest truth is we cannot allow women to take their place without our brothers. It is impossible to hold up this kingdom view, this kingdom manifest without it. And so when I think of male allyship, it's not performative. And, and here's the problem, Cheryl, we have lowered the bar so low that if a man even hires a woman, we're like, awesome. If one woman gets in the room, we're like, this is enough. This is so great, but we can't stop that. And male allyship looks like listening, first listening and lamenting with sisters who've gone through harm, being able to understand this happened without applying judgment, without trying to mansplain it away, without trying to flip a narrative that, that really unveils some toxic fragility that might be in play. Male allyship listens, male allyship laments. And then from there, we've got to be willing to not only listen to how a woman feels, we have to be able to take that information, that that glorious intel and create spaces where she can thrive. I think the greatest example of this, and this is one of humility, is really saying, if I'm a guy and there is an opportunity, a resource, a a way to grow my platform. If there's anything in my arsenal that I've been given or that I have cultivated, how can I leverage that for a woman? 
And I know we got to do for one what we wish you could do for everyone. But if you're one guy, how can I leverage it? Did I get a speaking opportunity? Did I get an opportunity at work? Did I get an opportunity to go first at the grocery store? I don't care what it is. How can I leverage my position to ensure a woman has a place? Now, how that's manifested in my life is when I found myself in a very uncomfortable situation of speaking truth to power, um, when again, a man abused his power at a woman's expense, I called uh, a mentor of mine and the majority of the mentors in my life have been male. And I called him and he'd been mentoring me at that point for probably 15 years. And I, I shared the situation and his first response, Cheryl was, we've got to do something about this. He put himself in the problem. It wasn't girl, you've got to do something. Here's what you should do. We, he said, I will walk with you. You are not going to have to do this alone. And it changed everything for me. It made me realize, first of all, not all men are scum. And here's the reality. 10% of men are probably going to actively abuse their power. It's the 90% who are complicit that we are talking to, that we are pleading with to see their sisters as equal, to take that biblical mandate of, of equality and let it play out in their homes, with their wives, with their daughters, in the workplaces where they worship and ensure our women heard here. And it's not saying, oh, I want one woman who performatively has some power because I fell for that. As a woman of color, I have been the card people play to say, we're not racist. We value women here. Look, look who we have. We value the young. (laughs) And in reality, I didn't have the power that was paraded around. And so to truly allow a woman's voice, her ideas to be heard and heeded requires amplification. It requires willingness to not let your idea be the best idea in the room. Because again, as I referred to, we have this pedestal effect where a man is, he claims he's a feminist or he claims he's for women. And that's again, not the goal. The goal is application. The goal is to see that play out in places that we work, worship and occupy. You know who's the best example of this? Nathan. Yes, please. Because Bathsheba and Nathan, they weren't in the same scene, so we often don't associate them. But it was so well known what David had done at Bathsheba's expense. Enough people knew that it got word to Nathan. And he came and he boldly called out. He didn't pander to the king. He said, this is what you've done, and there will be consequences for the rest of your life. And we love to play revisionist history and act like David didn't have long-term consequences. But the ancient of days ain't going to let bygones be bygones, right? He lost so much of his kingdom. His own son wanted to take his throne. So when we are able to see how Nathan was a male ally to Bathsheba, we have a clear picture of what speaking truth to power looks like as a male, not allowing other men to speak or treat women poorly. And guess what? That starts really young, Cheryl. It research shows that by a time a girl is in middle school, she's been harassed or exploited or assaulted by a peer. And why often boys to impress boys and other girls will harass to prove that I'm a man. So if we can have those conversations with our sons before they're in those positions, before they're in the locker room, before they're out walking through the hall, saying things they shouldn't be saying and harming women in their path, we can cultivate a heart of goodness, a heart of mutuality and reciprocity and consent knowing, you know what? Consent isn't only about the body. And we've made that such a dirty word. Consent is talking about her time, her reputation, her space, Uh, her platform, her prestige, where she occupies in the world, in addition to her body, it's respect. Mm, 
so, so, so good. And, you know, I, I love, I love what you said about David and Bathsheba, because what, what really strikes me there is that you're right. We so much emphasis growing up has been on the temptation and the beguiling of Bathsheba and how she was sort of bathing naked and a couple of rooftops over or whatever, and, uh, and caught the eye of the king. Um, but the, the reality is for women stationed back then, any advance from any king, especially like any man, period, but a king, you couldn't refuse. Right. And so, so how, right. how loose is that woman when she can't say no? Right. And you know, it's so sad. You hit the nail on the head. We're taught this in Sunday school, Cheryl. Yeah. We're taught that a woman asked for it. And in the reality, she was, as you said, bathing. That's where they bathe on the rooftop after her time of the month. And so she is just trying to live her life. And this man summons her and there is no way for her to say no. No. It is sexual assault. Yeah. How do you refuse a king? But nobody wants to talk about that. Same thing with Esther, you know, all those women, young women being abducted, literally brought into the king's palace and held there as concubines. How do you say no to a king? Look what happened to Vashti. How do you say no to a king? But we want to talk about how insubordinate she was, how horrible Vashti was. She spoke back to her husband. and, and, And so it gives this whole education that standing up and saying no or speaking or advocating for oneself is wrong and demonic. And that's not the truth of God. That's at right. All. At that's all. right. At all. I, I'm so thankful for you, Tiffany. I, I can't tell you. I'm so, I'm, I'm just, my heart is just beating fast. I'm so excited for what this conversation will do in the hearts of both men and women. Amen. Um, I want to ask you before I, I have a surprise question for you to wrap up the conversation. And of course, if you've listened to my podcast, it's no longer a surprise. But <laughs> I want to ask you this question. What's your hope for the book? What it like when you mm. think about the next few months and years ahead with the life of the book? What, what do you want to see happen? Yeah, I got to be honest, I'm already seeing some of it happen. I there's about 300 early reader copies floating around and I'm getting emails, Cheryl, of a one woman saying, I finally told my mom what happened to me in high school and we're pressing charges against my former high school principal. I got another one just, just two days ago and said, I got, I read your book and I got brave and went to my employer and told her this and this, and this is happening. And she immediately took action. And so for me, my hope is that women they have a voice. They just need to be, be empowered to use it. And society, again, men profit off women's silence. They profit emotionally, financially, professionally. And so to see women as knowing that they can speak up and yes, there might be some poor ramifications. And I encourage every woman to count the cost, but the world may keep on spinning, but she won't if she doesn't tell the truth. So that's my hope is that women will tell the truth. Oh, Tiffany, History depends I- on it. I just love you. I love everything about you. You're my girl. We get to roll in Women's Speaker Collective, which I'm just dropping that name for. I mean, we get to like hang out and do uh, cool stuff uh, outside of this and just be part of a sisterhood right. of, of leaders getting together. Um, so I, I encourage every woman that's listening um, to not go it alone. And, and I'd love for you to speak on sisterhood really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a, what a good thing. You know, it's so funny. I have to tell you something. Yeah. Uh, Copyright, copyright. I just want to give that little 
give that little, but I wanted to call this book, the resistorhood, because I truly believe that it is when women join together, that movements, that history is changed. When we even talking about women's history month, what are we talking about? We're talking about sisterhood. We're talking about women who saw themselves as whole and goodness and their advancement didn't mean her degradation. It meant that they could partner for beauty and the unleashing of the goodness of humanity. So sisterhood, if you are in a place where you're feeling heavy, I would encourage you to reach out and allow others to lend their strength. And if you're in a place where you have something to give right now, lend your strength. Your sisters need it. This is your one and beautiful life. I pray that you would be marked by holy, beautiful, abundant sisterhood. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. Okay, well, listen, I've got a surprise question for you, and um, I can't wait to whip it right there. Boop between the eyes. Here we go. Um, when you look at this current landscape of um, imbalance in female female uh, space, power, leadership, voice, all of the things, we, everything we talked about, finish the sentence. What is it time for? What is it time for? And you're just going to say it's time for, and then let it rip. It's time for policy change. It's time to not demonize women who are bold. It's time to not tear down a woman for being a woman and seeing it as a disadvantage and defining men by their advantages. It's time to even the score. Mm. And I'm going to flip it now. And uh, here it's coming at you. What is it not time for? What is it not time for? It's not time to victim blame. It's not time to assume that if something bad happens to a woman, she deserved it, asked for it, or invited it. Ooh. Tiffany Bloom, you are my girl for life. Sister girl for life. Thank you for so life. Much. Tribe, I love you. I just love everything about you. And guys, if you are listening, I encourage you, get a copy. When does it drop, Tiffany? March 16th, Tuesday, March 16th, available wherever books are sold. So you heard it here Tuesday, March 16th. It's just around the corner. This is dropping in the week of her drop. So guys, what, what? you are the first to hear. It is out now. Go and get the book. Pray tell on every available platform. Consume it. Talk about it. Break it down. Write lessons from it. Uh, unpack it further and then walk it out. That's Tiffany, right. thank you so much for being on the path. Oh, thanks for having me, Cheryl. Wow. What an incredible conversation with Tiffany Bloom. I want to thank her for taking the time to stop by with us on the path. And I hope that you were challenged as I, I was, and I hope that you were ignited to step into the spaces and places that God has called you. Man, we've got some work to do, don't we? But I'm encouraged. Don't lose hope. Uh, God is doing an incredible thing in the lives of women, leadership, uh, taking up space, doing the things that we are called to do. But more importantly, he is speaking to the hearts of the men that surround us and he is convicting, changing, uh, exposing, uh, encouraging, aligning hearts. Um, he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, to see women rise into their purpose. And I am, for one, super excited about it. Well, guys, this is it for me. I encourage you guys to do some more work by reading. Grab that book, guys. 
pray tell available everywhere and anywhere books are sold and share it with a friend have a group discussion about it until then keep living keep learning keep loving and let's keep pushing towards gender equality i'll see you on the path